0: to the Land of Opportunity, a vast melting pot where everyone is free to pursue their wildest dreams. Welcome to the Great American Bash. From the jungles of India, the Great Kali has shocked the world. Great Kali has been wreaking havoc ever since he destroyed The Undertaker. Now, the dead man faces his creepiest challenge. Yet, a Punjabi prison match. Once the dead man is locked into that prison with that great colleague... Has done it in the battle royal tonight. Who desires the richest rewards of the ring? I will defeat Rey Mysterio for the world championship. But even for royalty, gold can prove to be elusive. Now, the greatest underdog champion of all time, Booker T, Royalty or not, you're just one move away from the 6 1 9. We'll make this. The most captivating battle of the night. And now, SmackDown presents the Great American
1: Bash. So the next thing that happens on the show after the London and Kendrick Pitbulls match is backstage. A very strange little segment. Great Kylie and Davari. I originally wrote Ranjin Singh, but it's not. as Davari. They argue backstage. Uh, we don't really know what they're saying, and it ends with Kylie lifting up Davari and roaring.
2: Oh, I, mean, I mean, I wasn't excited anyway for
1: the match. <laughs> and this got you right
2: there. Oh, I'm just like. This guy's too riled up. This guy's too rolled up. It's early. Because I, was, I wasn't anticipating the Punjabi prison match coming. It's about an hour and 15 minutes into the show, I think. I wasn't anticipating that. I was anticipating it being either the main event or the co-main event. Mm. So I'm like, he's going to... It's a he's lot. Gonna, well. He's going to puke. He's going to puke. He'd have had hemorrhoids, I reckon. Perhaps that's why he has trouble walking. He's got enormous piles. Like Neil Warnock, apparently.
1: Has he got? Has he got tremendous piles Has he?
2: Yeah. So I was listening to a uh, a football podcast, and uh, it's three guys who two of them ex-pros, and they interview other ex-pros. And one of them had played under Warnock, I think, it might be Middlesbrough Cardiff, or Sheffield United somewhere. And he said, uh, game finishes, and this team, whoever he's playing for, have lost. So they've gone into the changing room. Warnock's come in. He's given them powers, apparently, and he uh, he gets bollock naked goes into the shower, he's still screaming at him. walks out, he's drying himself, and he gets some pseudo out and puts him on his piles, apparently, just in front of everyone. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, the mental image.
1: Oh, the the mental capacity to want to do that as well. To not think twice about getting, you know, completely naked in front of a group of men and then applying pile cream other pile cream is available by the way I sure yes i don't know because i never
2: had piles, so i don't know
1: the the mindset to yeah. to to want to or be able to do that is just is beyond me
2: well i was talking to tom and i told him that story because i'd heard it i heard it ages ago for some reason piles came up as they kind of do and me and tommy are talking <laughs> and tommy just said he's like that is a man completely at peace with who he is <laughs> yeah and I was like you know what you're 100% right Tommy and then he did the same and it was all a bit awkward to be honest with me <laughs> especially because we were in Asda
1: when you said the first half of the word Asda I thought that com- that sentence was going to end in a different way
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Welcome to the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler and today our Bashfield trio of episodes comes to an end as we take a look back at WWE's co-opted version of a WCW Classic in the 2006 edition of the Great American Bash. Joining me today is old man Sam Carey.
2: Hello Chuck.
1: Hello old man. And uh, that is it. Tom was due to be with us but uh, had some personal stuff to take care of. So for the first time ever, this episode will be wholly managed. By a duo Now we've had a couple of stints Where there's just been two of us Mm. But never a full episode before So we're going into new territory here
2: We are This is the first two-hander we've had Well, it's not the first two-hander you've had today But that's uh, that's something completely different But yeah, a whole two-hander It's going to be an interesting experience
1: two hands wouldn't fit around mine (laughs)
2: there's
1: not enough room
2: (laughs) yeah i thought you were trying to make out that you've got an enormous penis no you're actually doing the opposite
1: (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) and to hear more about uh, our penises and uh, every other part of our anatomy i'm sure come join us on our social media platforms at rwr pod uk twitter facebook and instagram for all your needs and everything you need to know about this podcast so old man a little bit of a topic today Again, another last minute one really, I've got to be honest, because I was like, come come on, I hadn't thought of anything. that's mainly because I only finished the edit of the last episode a few hours ago, so kind of in a rush. But I thought I'd revisit a, a, a topic that came up on Twitter not that long ago about whether or not WWE have too many titles. I guess you could extend it to all of wrestling in some ways because mm. AEW, the, the conversation came up after AEW added yet another title to their list of championships. I think they've got about seven or eight titles now or something ridiculous. Mm. WWE, meanwhile, I just counted them, have 19 titles in the company. Lovely. <laughs> Without wanting to kind of pre, uh, you know, presume what you're going to answer in terms of that question, 19 titles, is that too much? Well, see, it is.
2: But it also isn't i think that the problem is and this is a problem that we've talked about on this podcast is that the titles don't mean anything i think that's the problem is that you can have 700 titles i mean that'd be very difficult to (laughs) legitimize all of them admittedly but if you can legitimize them like back in the back in the good old days the tag titles the intercontinental title and the world title and there was that progression where if you won the Intercontinental title and you did a cracking little job, you'd probably get chucked in the old world title mix. You may not win it, but there was like, yeah, it was kind of like something that you were working towards. And I think the problem that we've got now is that it doesn't matter, does it? Really? There's so few and far between those times where someone wins a title and you're like, yes, yes, fucking come on. I fucking mm-hmm. love it. I-, I can think of Bianca Belair, both the last two WrestleManias. I think I think people have very much enjoyed that. And I mean, after that, I know I don't watch an enormous amount, but I'm struggling. I've got to be honest. I really struggle for anything that's mattered. And I think that's kind of reflected in the lack of main event. Well, like we talked about live shows about how they don't build stars anymore. They seem to have lost the ability to do that. And I think that's very much reflected in a lot of their title pictures because there's not like, in the world title, like. There's no one apart from Lesnar. There's no one. And that's why they keep bringing him back because they need something because they don't have anyone. And it's because the other titles like Lashley is the US champion at the moment, at the time of recording, and he was world champion. It should legitimize the US title. And he like, is really good about it. He's trying. He's trying his best, but it doesn't don't mean anything, does it? It's just a, It's just a placeholder. And to be honest, we'll get into this on this show. I kind of feel like that about at least one of the titles. So, yeah, in response to your question, <laughs> yes, too many bouts. But if they did the right thing with them, then it could work.
1: I'll just list through all of the championships they've got. So mm-hmm. bear in mind that at the moment they've only got one male world champion because Roman Reigns holds yeah. both the Universal and, well, it's now called the Universal, as we said, Undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight World mm. Greatest Thing on the planet television champion he's the WWE <laughs> champion then you've got the Royal Women's Championship the US, United US Championship and the Royal Tag Team Championship the Universal Championship which is still listed separately on Wikipedia so actually it is one of the 19 apologies Smackdown Women's Championship Intercontinental Championship Smackdown Tag Team Championship 24-7 Championship WWE Women's Tag Team Championship NXT Championship NXT Women's Championship NXT North American Championship NXT Tag Team Championship NXT, Tag Team Championship, NXT Women's Tag Team Championship <laughs> NXT UK Championship, NXT UK Women's Championship, NXT UK Heritage Cup, and NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Now, that's four different male tag team champions, two different women's tag team championships... Two women's world championships. The problem for me is the duplication here. So I don't mind there mm. being lots of titles. i got to be honest. I actually think it, 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 I think it's an opportunity. But I think the titles have to represent you being the best at something. So mm. what is the difference between the US title and the Universal title? Or the Intercontinental title and the E title? There's no difference. They're both singles no. titles. I remember when I first ever even interactive with wrestling in any way uh, a guy from school when i was in primary school his name was damian brought in a bunch of wrestling figures in a in a the bag or something and i know i didn't know anything about them to the point where i thought that hulk hogan and hawk were the same person no oh, idea yes. why um it's because he was very bristolian and he used to call, call him hulk hogan and, hulk, <laughs> and i just saw that's the same thing, and also their, their hairstyles were almost the same. Like if you yeah. on the on the figure anyway. So anyway, I thought they were the same person. And there was three of us playing. He said, "Oh, you you, I'll I'll be the world championship. You can be the intercontinental championship, and you can just be the shitty championship because there was <laughs> that wasn't a third singles title. But it kind of made made me think of that, which is like the intercontinental title is the shitty championship. Is the is mm-hmm. the the world champ is the it's a single title that isn't as good as the world title. I wouldn't mind it. The U.S. title, for example. If there was a distinction that made it the U.S. title, i.e. you could either only win it in America, so you couldn't win it overseas, or you could, you had to be American in order to win the U.S. Mm. title. Now, both of those would be fine. And I, if they did the national championship of America, they could also do the national championship of Canada and, and of Britain and of Mexico and Japan and of Germany and of any n- number mm. of other, other countries that they wanted. But the duplication for me is the big problem because the Intercontinental title means nothing different to a WWE title. They should only have one tag team championship for men, one tag team championship for the women, but they could have a mixed tag team championship. Now I'm quite happy with that because that would be represent a different thing again. I, I'm happy if they want a six. Person tag team championship, because again that would be something different. I mean, it would be overkill, don't get me wrong, but yeah. it would still represents something different. For that reason, as I said in the tweet when I was talking about this, I'd be happy if they had a hardcore title, because again it represents the idea of something different. And hardcore titles are not exactly something new. I mean, A the first WWF one was back in 1998, which is now 25 years ago, but also well before that, back in the territories, they used to have the brass nux championships, which is effectively the same thing. So like, it's not like a new thing. So that, that, is deep is deep within the tradition of pro wrestling for me, um, and there, there are probably other things that other disciplines of the sport. Cru- uh, weight divisions would be fine if the heavyweight <laughs> division meant anything. Then they could have like lighter weights as well, the cruiserweights and whatnot. And, and I like the idea of the Heritage Cup. So again, that is something that's slightly different. I believe it's like kind of a more traditional style wrestling with th- best of three falls and stuff. So it's kind of like it. so again. I have no problem with that. I like the concept of it. But yeah, if you're gonna have loads of titles, at least make them mean something unique and special which is why i also don't mind the 24 7 title because again it's just something it's a comedy title which is fine it it just provides something else but when you've got multiple titles meaning the same thing that just doesn't make Hmm. any sense
2: it's just a bit silly isn't it i think it's very silly to have all these belts and not legitimize them as well
1: i said i said at the time when this came up that if you and i think i said it on this podcast in fact if if everyone's a champion then no one is a champion
2: yeah Oh, that's very, very prophetic. <laughs> it's lovely, isn't it? It's absolutely lovely. It's just too much of everything, isn't there? I think that's the trouble. I think there's too much, too much product. There doesn't need to be as much product as there is. And because of that, I think they're like, well, we gotta, we've got to, we've got to make matches mean something. But they don't make them mean anything because they don't have the people to make them mean something. And like, I've heard, I think it's Austin or someone said it. They're like. If you've got a title, the title doesn't make you. You make the title because you've got to carry it and represent it, and you are that whole thing. And they've really they've got a million miles away from that. The, the one interesting thing at in the moment is the tag team thing because they've had the Street Profits news. It was about a billion matches. They have one at Hell in a Cell that was, was it Hell in a Cell? No, Money in the Bank that was fan bloody tastic. And when the street profits do win it it will blow the fucking roof off the building and it's like the one thing that they've put some time into because if lesnar wins uh summerslam i don't think people will be particularly excited i think I'm they'll so. just be like oh yeah uh, cool they'll pop at the end because of course they will because that's what you do but then 10 minutes later they'll be like oh yeah i'm sorry isn't it? that happened
1: i didn't realize that users are both raw and smackdown tag team champions as well. They are. Wow, yeah. didn't know, didn't realise that. So there you go. Just looking through the titles now. Gunther, or Walter, as he uh, was previously mm. known, is the Intercontinental title champion as well. Crazy. Yeah. Didn't know anything about this. Yeah, I just think there are too many titles. And I think what you said is right. They haven't got the effort to put into making stars and making people care about individual matches. So they, they lean so heavily on the titles because it's an easy way to create yeah. a reason for a match to happen. I think... As I say, they can have as many titles as they want, but I think what they need to do is also mean that have the wrestlers appear less often and and, and also do what I've said, which differentiate all those titles. So that basically you just have a a women's tag, a men's tag, a mixed tag, a world for both, six man for both, if you must, hardcore, cruiserweight, whatever, but just make it so that they're all unique. And that way you can make them all mean something and all of the uh, all of the build towards the matches for those titles can mean something as well. So I don't necessarily think it's the number of titles. I just think it's that the, they don't mean anything because there are so many that are the same and also what you said is that there isn't that sense of accomplishment of winning a title because there are so many of them as you say Bobby Lashley is now the US title US champion I think basically there's not many people who haven't won a title like I remember a comment in last couple of weeks ago when uh, we saw Carlito in a match against Shelton Benjamin and Jim Ross said that 13 people or 15 people had been both intercontinental and US title holders yeah by that point and we're now another 16 years on from that how many have done that now and surely that shouldn't be something that many people have done but they have because they're both throwaway. they're both completely pointless
2: yeah that's it and they've had like to talk about like the recent times with old roman having apparently a lesser schedule you've got a perfect chance to Mm -hmm. elevate another title or two but you've got a couple of shoes do it but they just haven't like I don't get me wrong. I can understand why they did it. They focused on Rollins and Cody Rhodes instead. That was their focus rather than building something where you've got a title behind it and there's something going on.
1: Well, I guess they've still got the double champion Roman Reigns. And I guess at some Mm. point they'll probably split those titles up. It wouldn't surprise me if someone beats Roman Reigns, but only for one of the belts or even Mm. that Roman Reigns ends up vacating one of the belts to save him from having to do the job, which they're obviously trying to do and try and build. I would have thought building to somebody at next year's WrestleMania who can beat him, who that's going mm. to be. I have no idea. The only person I think is even slightly in contention for that is Riddle. But beyond that, I can't see who's, who, who can, who can do it.
2: No, there's, um there's apparently a match that's going to happen where it's Drew McIntyre. And I think it was meant to be Seamus on Raw this week that we're recording but I don't think it actually happened. And the winner was going to get a title shot at Clash at the Castle. It's just shit. It.
1: Well, there's rumours that there's going to be a triple threat now main event, isn't it? Is it, the
2: there? Point.
1: Yeah. So. It's just just silly. Anyhow, today we're talking about Great American Bash 2006. As I said, WWE's co-opted version of a WCW classic. I wonder what made them bring great american bash back was it just a lack of <laughs> lack of we haven't got any more names to give our shows, so we're just going to use that
2: i reckon they must have because they talk about this on the show eight days previously they'd had saturday night's main event so they were doing that sporadically at this time as well i thought that i gotta be honest when i see the great american bash in the wwe pv i just don't think good things <laughs> i just don't ever think good things But we covered the bash not decent but the great american bashes i'm just a bit like oh, it just don't fit it doesn't feel right it feels dirty
1: but they brought I back think. in nxt they brought back a load of them didn't they like didn't yeah. they do like starcade and halloween havoc mm-hmm. and a couple of others i can't remember them now but i'm pretty sure they brought a load of them back from wcw
2: time yeah and they had a great american bash i think the other week right. as well okay. yeah it's very strange it's just um i think you're right i think it's just a lack of invention yeah, because yeah, they got into this was I think it's around the time they had a fixed pay-per-view schedule mm. rather than just random names.
1: They had the 12 standard WWF ones that they'd reached by about 2001, 2002. So that mm. was Rumble, No Way Out, WrestleMania, Backlash, Judgment Day, King of the Ring, uh, Fully Loaded or Vengeance. I think they'd switched out for Vengeance, SummerSlam, Unforgiven no mercy survivor series and armageddon but they then did the brand split and then had the different brands have brand only pay-per-views on top of some of the stuff that was already there and they wanted to give them an equal amount so they added like another three or four shows to the calendar yeah i think this was one of them great american bash what were your expectations for this one i mean you've already talked about this a little bit
2: yeah i'll be honest i wasn't particularly up for this 2006 is not a year I have any memories of all I can remember is Wrestlemania 22 being pretty terrible mm. and we're kind of close enough that I could I think I knew who was champion at the time but I wasn't sure if they'd taken it off him by this point and there are people on this card who I actively dislike quite a lot are we going to get I an old
1: just, man list of cunts today
2: um it's not a list there's just Mr. Kennedy mainly <laughs> yeah just uh, always, always hating him. Just always and uh, to be honest, it is just him, pretty much. And and we'll kinda of get into this a bit we've we've touched on this in the previous episode. This version of Rey Mysterio. Mm. I am not a fan of.
1: We can talk about that. We can talk about we that. We can in a little bit. My my own expectations were low, but that's because when we mentioned this to Matt Matt Roberts last week that this is the next show we were doing, he was like very very negative about it. So mm. we, me I, me and Tom. I think we're talking to him about it, the fact that that was the next show. And he said, oh, I'm glad I'm not doing that. That's rubbish. So I was like, I I don't have," And I was like, hang on, mate, don't tell us that. I've got to watch the damn thing. I don't know anything about it. So I can at least pretend to myself that it's going to it might be all right. Now you've kind of shattered that illusion. So my expectations are low, basically because of that review from Matt now admittedly I don't know how well he remembers the show it was a long time ago now that it happened but he didn't seem particularly excited by it 2006 I do have some memories of mainly because I finished university in 2005 but stayed in Cardiff for an additional year after that and I came back in 2006 middle of 2006 and my parents had Sky so it was the first time in a while that I never even able to like watch Raw or Smackdown and I remember putting it on the tv at some point and seeing that there were matches with jobbers which i found very very strange because that was just something that had been eradicated at the, in the late 90s during the monday night war and they'd slowly drip fed it back in so that people mm. were facing jobbers i remember seeing that kendrick and london were tag team champions and i remember seeing the pitbulls also appear on the show but just in general feeling that the product was just a little bit sterile just didn't feel like much happened i mean to compare it to now it's positively like you know happening there's all kinds of stuff going on but it just felt very kind of yes yeah, sterile is the, word, the only word i can really think about that so yeah 2006 i wasn't looking forward to it too much but then saying that we didn't dislike the no mercy show that we watched last year which included the benoit regal match and a couple mm-hmm. of other contests. the only problem with having watched that last year is that it did telegraph some of the results and some of the things that happened on this show, because I remembered some of the things that happened on that one, which is obviously later in the <clears> year. So, Oman, oh why don't you go first in terms of talking points? What did you want to pull out from this show?
2: There's only one thing in there. <laughs> it's the Punjabi prison.
1: Awesome.
2: Which is, I mean, I never, <laughs> I never. So I've watched the Randy Orton Jinder, Jinder Mahal. Mahal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. And that's not very good. It's not
1: like this, though, is it? I don't think he's got it, the same rules.
2: No, I don't think it has either. And also, um, well, we're promised The Undertaker and The Great Carly. And I, ugh, fucking hell, mate. I'll be honest. When they said that in the opening video, my fucking ass fell out. I was like, Jesus, because you know they're going, you know it's going to be 20 minutes. Like this type of match, they're not going to this trouble for a three minute crush of someone and i was just like oh i don't really like this luckily the big show turns up in full wrestling gear even though he's the ecw champion now he has attacked the undertaker with the great Ali on smackdown apparently so there was kind of a bit of it's very strange because he's in full wrestling gear i said mm. why and they do this it must be about five minutes before this match starts Kali is screaming, looking for the Undertaker. And Davari's there, trying to calm him down. And then the Undertaker appears, lobs Davari absolutely miles. And then Kali, like, they front up and he's an Undertaker with magnificent dry hair that is enormous. It's like a bouffant. It's like he's got hairspray on it. And uh, then the big ship comes in and attacks him. Now, it's not the most brutal beatdown you've ever seen. But then the match is next. And Teddy Long comes in and he's like, can't do that. Uh, Big Show's in the match. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so really? This is, this,
1: this is this, terrible. Well, yeah, as you said, that the, the Undertaker was due to face the Great kali in the Punjabi prison match. Having known that that was the match, did it elevate it at all for you when the Big Show replaced him?
2: It did slightly, I must say, because I was like, well, at least he can move. <laughs> I mean, that's the one blessing that we got. Because, and I think JBL says it kind of as a joke. The great colleague, even in this time period, he could barely walk. Like, he's clearly not having a good time walking. But when the old big show comes down, I must say, fair fucks to him. He is selling his fear wonderfully. (laughs) Like, someone get a golden globe for him (laughs) for most realistic fear. And he has to do it for a long time because the Undertaker's entrance takes forever. God, does it ever.
1: Fucking uh, hell.
2: Oh, But he's not selling anything. So he's just got beaten up at the back. (laughs) He's gone, yeah, you know what I need to do? I need to get my coat on. I need to wet my hair. I need to put my hat on. I'm just like, this is... Obviously, they filmed it earlier in the day. It's fucking bullshit. And I'm, I'm already like, this is horrendous. It's obviously it must have been a last minute thing that they were just like this guy can't wrestle
1: yeah so it's actually um, a a story that would run through the show and is actually used as a storyline element in one part of the show that there are some elevated liver enzymes going around the the Mm. uh, the roster and it affects this match because great carly is one of them who had the elevated liver enzymes it affects bobby lashley and we know that because that's Mm. a part of the story later on and also super crazy who was actually due to face gregory helms at this show and so all three of them were, uh, yeah, were un- unable to compete due to suffering from elevated enzymes in their liver. Now, I don't know whether that's because of some food poisoning or something that's happened to a bunch of them. But, um, yeah, it, it affected all three. I wondered why this had happened, because I was like, there's no way. Well, I, I was just about to say there's no way. One scenario I dreamt up was that the wwe in all of their wisdom had gone oh how can we elevate or how can we take the undertaker great Kali to the next level oh we'll just announce a punjabi prison match what's a punjabi prison match oh we'll work that out later on and then when they worked it out they realized the great Kali couldn't climb the punjabi prison and therefore they had to replace him but actually it appears that that's not the case He just was ruled out because of these yeah. liver enzymes but that did cross my mind as a reason why they got yeah
2: well To be honest, that's kind of what I assumed, because um, for those not familiar with the rules. (laughs) So they're in an inside bit, and there are four doors. So a wrestler can ask for a door to be opened, and they've got a minute to get out. So I'm like, this is fucking... So Michael Cole reads through, well, announces the rules after the Punjabi prisons fall down. Then there's outside, there's another bit, which is 20 feet high, which the only way to get out is to climb over. And I'm like, this is... (laughs) <laughs> well,
1: before you I, before you before you collapse in a in a kind of <laughs> mountain of your own disdain <laughs> for this man, let me uh let me just run through it very quickly. So it is a twenty one and a half minute contest at the end between the Undertaker and Big Show in the Punjabi prison. And effectively, what happens is that Big Show is sort of stood between the inner and the outer structures. The stru- word structure is used a lot during
2: oh, this match. His
1: Um, The Undertaker climbs up the inner structure a little bit, jumps off of it onto the Big Show in a kind of crossbody and they fall into the outer structure which collapses and then they fall through somehow that means the undertaker's won even though big show would have hit the floor first so that makes no uh. sense either I mean, i'll give you my opinion on the match before I, I hand it to you because okay for the first 10 minutes of this, i'm like this is fucking boring this is so so boring i'm i was <clears> just absolutely bored to tears i've written here but what you said about big show big show looks old and scared and basically crying
2: that was, <laughs> that,
1: was, that was my first note. Then I've got takers' entrance takes about 10 years. That was my next note. Um, and then I start taking notes on the match. So, t- first 10 minutes, I'm like, this is so fucking boring. It's unbelievable. Then I kind of started to get invested in the rules because I don't think I fully understood the rules when they started the match. I didn't really listen that hard to Michael Cole when he was announcing them. Mm. And I'm assuming that they, as a a group, as a promotion, didn't really know the rules themselves until quite close to bell time, which is why Michael Cole had to announce them. Otherwise, they would surely have had Tony Chimble, They'd have had him yes. explain them, but they t- they, they didn't. They, Michael Cole had to do it in front of the crowd. So then I started getting invested in the rules and I quite liked some of the bits with the rules. So as you said, oh, man, they've got four doors in the inner structure. They can ask for one of those doors to be open. It will then be open for one minute. But regardless of whether they're inside the inner structure still or outside, that door will be closed after a minute and then you can't open it again they get to the second door and i quite like the bit where big show effectively i think chokeslams the undertaker and just as he's going to go to the door it closes because they've had it open for 60 seconds mm. so that was quite good quite quite inventive then the other thing where the undertaker got out the third door that opened and the big show was closed in but big show didn't sweat it, it just went fine i'll open the fourth door and then he got out of the fourth door and then before the fourth door closed the undertaker was thrown back into the inner structure and the fourth door was closed and i thought okay i i'm i'm finding this element of it relatively Mm. engaging i think if i saw another match i wouldn't find it engaging at all but just the fact this was the only one i've ever seen i was like i i can i can lose myself in the elements of these rules that's fine Mm. and to be honest that was where i was until the ending and then the ending is very strange because not only does it have what happened happens but just before that the Great Khali and Davari's manager come to the ring through the crowd on the other side of the Punjabi prison from where they eventually fall out of. The Undertaker jumps onto Big Show, they do the crossbody, they fall out the ring, Big Show hits first, so should be the winner but the Undertaker's given the win, don't know why and then the Great Khali and Daivari climb to the top of the other side of the Punjabi prison. Clearly they they turned up late or something because it was almost as though they were supposed to be trying to climb, climb in to help the Big Show, but they got there way too late and by the time they even started climbing, the Undertaker was out and by and so the ending was like well that's it it's fucking shit it was mm, shit. shit as i said about 15 16 minutes in i was like okay the rules are enough to keep me interested here but then the ending just ruined it all
2: i'd probably say the first 12 minutes of this art <laughs> the word i use is ghastly <laughs> because these guys are working their arts out but you can tell they ain't got a fucking clue what to do because the problem is as well is that this Punjabi prison is effectively bamboo and it doesn't look like it hurts. It's got a load of give and it just looks, it just looks crap.
1: It looks like something that would be fun to be thrown into.
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah, like after a few beers, like me, you, Tommy and Matt and Stephen and anyone else wants to get James, get involved. Big rock star, you can come along. Yeah, we just like hip toss each other onto it or into it or Irish whip. I think the problem is, and this is a... Uh, it's going to be a recurring theme. There's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. So all they're doing is punching and kicking each other. About a pound for every punch and kick I saw on this fucking show. I think, well, oh, I won't be working tomorrow. <laughs> Screw you work. I'll be saying I'm retired. They're not really able to do anything either because of, they're just confined in this space and they can't go anywhere. And it's like, don't get me wrong, like the big show with The Undertaker, I'm going to be re- fighting around the arena, but they're not able to change anything they do. And Big Show goes to Undertaker with a chokeslam and he delivers a cracking DDT to him that is sold wonderfully by the Big Show. You know, proper goes in, rolls over, It looks absolutely brilliant. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Here we go. They're going to they're going to kick in together. And then you get the little sequence that you talked about. I thought, there we go. There we go. There's something there's something there. I, enjoyed, I loved him lobbing the Undertaker back in. I thought that was great. I thought that's really, really good. The problem is, is that because of the stupid fucking rules of the match, The Undertaker has to get out so quickly that there's not really any impact from it. And they're talking about these fucking razor sharp things (laughs) on the top. They're not razor sharp. Undertaker moves one with his hand. So his hand's all right as well. He's still got the hand. So that is good. Big Show, when they're in the ring, tries to take the the pad off the turnbuckle. And he can't. He can't do it. The knot's obviously done too tightly. <laughs> so they also do a superplex in the ring, which looks quite impressive. It's from the second rope. And these are two big old bollocks, like, doing that. And it it never... I think when Big Show goes off the top rope, it always looks... It always looks good. The end, I'm convinced that the end isn't meant to happen the way it happens. Okay. I think that the Big Show is meant to catch The Undertaker and do something with him because... They fall so naturally. And also, like you said, the great Cali comes from the other side. He climbs up. And the Undertaker walks off and he's just stood at the top. just like looking over he's just like hello well i I,
1: everyone i think i agree with you because i i checked on daily motion as well to see if i could find an unedited version of this because what Mm. happens on the network version is and this is actually what i saw on the daily motion version so it didn't do anything different but what is actually there is that when he jumps off the inner structure it's one camera angle and then when they fall through it's a completely different one Mm. and i thought they'd done some editing some post-show editing Mm when they put it on the network maybe the big show did catch him and then fell or something i don't yeah. know but but the daily motion version i saw was the same and again it possibly is just an upload from the dvd which could have probably had the same post editing so it, it's possible that there was some kind of botch here because it felt odd mm. just the way the camera angle changed
2: yeah i'll just read it on the wikipedia page so it says the big show threw undertaker through the outer thing and that. The Undertaker's feet hit the floor first. Now, he definitely doesn't throw him. No. there's definitely no throw. So maybe you're right. Maybe they have had it. Maybe it just looked terrible, Mm. which I I can imagine. I just thought this was fucking dreadful. And I think they were just on to a loser. They're going on as well. All the way through this fucking match, GBL.
1: Oh, thank God you mentioned him. Fucking Oh, hell.
2: my. God. Oh, he's my cunt of the night.
1: Oh, he's a cunt he's of the fucking
2: death a century, death I fucking. think. Oh, yeah. God. He's going on about how The Undertaker's lost a step.
1: He is a shell of his former self. He's a shell of his former self. He says it about one million times during this
2: match. Oh, he he is, is.
1: Oh, fucking hell.
2: Oh. This is, without a doubt, the worst commentator. We've heard on anything.
1: I agree. The worst commentary performance I've ever heard is on this show, I think.
2: Yeah. We'll get into that as we go through the show, but it's ghastly. There's a lot of this as well. It's very much to the detriment of what's going on in the ring. And I think with this match in particular, because you're just telegraphing what the end's going to be. Like, well, what the result's going to be. Because they can't just keep rolling with this, the Undertaker's crap and old (laughs) and washed up. I mean, he's probably only about fucking for you
1: this thing he's just i i've got a note the fourth note of this match is jbl so overbearing loud and obnoxious through the whole show so this was mm-hmm. i mean really like a minute into the match and i'm already saying that i want to make this point again i've probably already made it in my notes a few times but he is absolutely terrible in this match, mm. in this show just fucking awful like worse than anything ever i would rather hear 10 hours of maura Ronaldo. Than, than this performance mm. from JBL. It's absolutely the worst thing ever. All I could think was, imagine him and Ronaldo together. I mean, oh, fucking hell. I think JBL obviously settles down after his into his second stint in, as a commentator. Mm. So after he goes back to be a wrestler for a year or so and then retires properly, he then goes back to being a commentator and he, for whatever reason, he's not quite so bad. But my goodness, I didn't remember... This from the No Mercy show that we watched either. So maybe he settled down after the show because I
2: just yeah it was
1: so so bad.
2: Yeah, it's appalling. Mm. Like even like he, I know he's meant to be a heel, but he's not a heel. He's just a horrible human being. That's what he is. And I, all I could think, like you said, all you could think was him and Mara and. All I could think was, Michael Cole's a good man, I think.
1: (laughs) He he
2: deserves better than this. I mean, he might not be a good man. I think he probably is. But I was like, you imagine being sat next to that fucking utter cunt. Oh, it's gas. Horrendous
1: yeah it is it is so bad i mean as you say he's not just a heel this isn't heel heat that he would attract this is this would be go away and never come back heat yeah like it's just it's just terrible it genuinely forget whether or not it even telegraphs the end of their matches it's just hard to listen to it's hard yes. to watch it's like i would rather turn this off than continue to listen to you that cannot be what you're aiming for <laughs> when you've got a commentator on a show. It was just terrible. Really, yeah. really terrible. Well, that was potentially gonna be my talking point, gotta be honest, was JBL. But seeing as it's not, I think what we'll do is we'll go to what you said about ray mysterio because i think this is a this is an interesting one because i have many many times sort of shown my ignorance maybe about why some fans have booed ray mysterio in the past i think during this period of course it was peak boo ray mysterio time (laughs) and for the next year or so but i don't think they ever got fully away from that i think there's some people who still even to this day with Boo Ray Mysterio for some reason. And I've been told before it's because of this period where effectively his entire act was a tribute to Eddie Guerrero or they were playing very much on the idea that he was always in tribute to Eddie Guerrero. He is in the main event against King Booker. He's the world champion going in. But he loses the match after 16 and a half minutes. And it's when Chavo runs down to the ring and absolutely kills oh, him with a yeah. still chair shot. Probably, honestly, probably the most violent chair shot I think I've ever seen. It was legitimately yeah. absolute bomb. And then Booker covers him and the ref counts three. Um, so Booker becomes the champion. And I had a lot of mixed emotions here because I, I did... I did see the overbearing nature of the whole Eddie Guerrero tribute thing that was going on. I feel like it would have been fine had they done all the Eddie Guerrero stuff up to and including WrestleMania when he won the title and then dropped it. Because now he was mm. champion. They could have just gone, right, he's, he's won it. He's done it for Eddie. Now he just moves on with his career. But they're still talking about it all the time. But at the same time, I felt sad watching it as well, because I feel like this was Rey Mysterio's big title run effectively and they just didn't really do anything for him my my memory of it in general was that he whilst he won quite a lot of matches they tended to be complete flukes they tended to be very lucky or he tended to do it with the help of someone else and yeah, he didn't really have that a title, right? I mean, this is July, he would have won the title the probably beginning of April, whenever WrestleMania 22 happened. And it, so it also felt sad for him that it didn't really work out because I think he deserved it. I think he was, I still think he's a, an absolutely great wrestler. So that was interesting to me. What did, what did you make of Rey Mysterio during this time? Because you obviously hit upon this at the start.
2: So without realising what I was saying, you've hit the nail on the head where they obviously aren't, committed by that this much is obvious i don't think he is either i thought in this match in particular i thought he was so lazy mm. it was real going through the motion stuff and he's made he's made to look quite weak by the way that the match is put together anyway i think but i never bought it to be honest and i didn't like i actively despised the fact that they used that and that was i think That was one of the main reasons I stopped watching was because I was just like this. No, I'm not. I don't like this. And I think Mysterio is better than this. I think that people like Booker T in this, sorry, King Booker in this has to do things to rile the crowd up. Mm. And he has to do Eddie Guerrero things because, like you said, the crowd aren't. Well, to be honest, I think the Punjabi prison kills them. (laughs) I think it just absolutely murders them. And they um, didn't
1: have to part with JBL's commentary either.
2: No, that's it. (laughs) But yeah, I just thought... I I think sad is probably the right word. I just thought this was really... This felt like a man who knows exactly why he's where he is. And I felt that this match was more of a vehicle to get him as far away from the title picture as possible by having Chavo turn on him. And it just made him look like a shit, didn't it? Because also, I know he's murdered with that chair. He is covered because Nick Patrick through the match gets knocked down, takes a heck of a bump. Also, also a little blood patch that I felt a bit bad for so something happens in one of the earlier matches, but he has to get back in the ring. So he's probably covered for a good 25 seconds. And I just thought, I was like, Oh, this is just, this is everything as a, t- as a champion that you don't want to happen, is that they're basically doing everything to basically minimalise your reign, really. I think you're right. I think sad is the way, but also, it's just horrible. I just don't don't like it.
1: I think the problem here... well there's a couple of reasons a couple of problems the first problem here is that wwe are incapable of doing anything with any subtlety they can't they can't do anything so they you know when if you watch the rumble of this year which is the one show of the show i've actually watched a couple of times that rumble rame sirio's the reaction to him is is massive it's humongous when he wins the rumble it's great and it's almost like and he and he dedicates it to Eddie guerrero and all that stuff and that's fine at that time because you're like Mm. you know what it's not happened that long ago and also he probably is kind of like not dedicated his performance or anything but you know there is a sense that he wants to mark eddie guerrero's memory and whatnot at that Mm. point so i think that works really well i think the problem is is they they see something good and they can't keep their grubby little hands off of it they can't just let it play out naturally you know they can't just let Rey Mysterio come out with his Eddie Guerrero band around his shoulder, they've got to pummel it home every single week on commentary. They've got to keep saying, Rey Mysterio is doing this for his friend Eddie Guerrero and all that bollocks. And it doesn't need to be done. They could just leave it. Even if all all Rey did between Rumble and WrestleMania is have that little alarm band on and then go into WrestleMania, not say anything about it but then at the end of that match, do something that, you know, maybe do the frog splash to win the title. Mm. That's nice. Then you've marked the occasion without like milking it. But that's the problem. WWE just can't stop themselves from milking it. Now, I don't know to what extent Rey Mysterio, Chavo and others that were involved in the company had to do with that. But my instinct is that WWE would just write, right, we're going to hammer this home. This is your thing now. You are kind of marking Mm. Eddie Guerrero's memory all the time. And I think that's where it becomes kind of distasteful. I actually quite liked the match. I thought it was a decent match. It felt like two guys that... Again, both of them, for me, deserve to have had longer main event runs, I Mm. think. I I think both of them are really, really damn good wrestlers. I don't know why also, maybe it's complete coincidence, but it also felt that given this is the Great American Bash, it felt like this was a WCW main event, like a WCW pay-per-view main event, Mm. as if this could have been, have WCW maybe been relaunched by WWE, which was one time the plan. And this had been a WCW specific pay-per-view. This could have been a WCW pay-per-view main event between Booker T and Rey Mysterio. And I just like that. I just like the idea of it. But the problem was I knew exactly what was going to happen because we'd seen No Mercy uh, last yeah. year. So I knew Chavo was going to turn on him. I knew Booker was going to become the champion. But I did like it. I did think it was a relatively decent match. I think it's a kind of match, though, again, they've given them 16 minutes. They've given the Punjabi prison match 21 and a half given this sixteen in a bit. Like I'm just a bit like, well, if you're booking this match to be, uh, sorry, these matches to be good, then switch switch them over. Yeah. make yeah. You make Booker T and Rey Mysterio 21 minutes. It felt like even having given him the main event, out giving both of these guys the main event, they still were like, yeah, but they're kind of they're kind of mid card attractions. We're not really mm. gonna give them the full time. So that that was what felt sad to me. I did enjoy the match, but it, it, there was just an abiding feeling of sadness and just it's like. Uh, going back to like the thing about how they, they can't stop themselves milking it it's like the fandango thing mm-hmm. when that when that thing when his music just became naturally over and everyone started singing it then wwe just milked it for weeks and then everyone got bored of it because they just mm-hmm. way massively overplayed their hands they just can't they can't help themselves and that was wh- how i felt about this whole Rey mysterio thing
2: Going go back to the match i thought this was okay my one problem with it and it kind of feeds into what we're saying about Rey Mysterio. At no point does Mysterio get in a position to win. Mm. There's not one point where I was like, "Oh, he's he's gonna win this." Like you said, kind of kind of knew what had happened anyway. And also the um the Chavo thing quite early on in the show. There's a bit with them backstage, and it's kind of telegraphs what's going on because he's like, oh, I'll be there with you, I'll be there, I'll be there with you, I'll be there, I'll be there. And he's driving it home so hard, you're like, you're going to do something. Now, I didn't think he was going to fucking wallop him with the this fucking chair shot, <laughs> to be honest, but which seems a bit unkind, really. But yeah, I thought this was okay, decent. I think, to be honest, it's probably the second best match on the card for me. Possibly possibly joint, possibly third. But I think I was just disappointed because I think I knew how this was going to play out and it kind of played out exactly the way that I thought it would. And I think, like you said, I think they deserve better, these two.
1: Yeah, well, I'm going to say now it is my match of the night. I'm not saying it's a classic or anything, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good a good match. Let's Before we go to break, let's pick on one more thing. So let's actually start by just going through the show now and we'll continue this after the break, of course. We would ordinarily have another talking point, so I thought that makes sense. Yeah. The show starts with the video package, which reveals we have the Punjabi British match between Kali and the Undertaker, and a world title match between Booker T and Rey Mysterio. Our commentators are Michael Cole and JBL. We've already discussed JBL, and Michael Cole is my MVP of the night because oh, how, how the hell, how the hell, he part with JBL and didn't just like hit him at some point? I just, oh. I can't, I can't believe it. The opening match of the night is for the. WWE Tag Team Championships is when they had two Tag Team Championships and one was called the World Tag Team Championship and the other was called the WWE Tag Team Championship. (sighs) Fuck me, sort your name in convention out, boys. It's Paul London and Brian Kendrick defending against the Pitbulls, Jamie Noble and Kid Cash. This one goes for 13 and a half minutes and it ends when Kendrick hits a sunset flip on Kid Cash. London then drop kicks Cash and Kendrick gets the pin. Oh man, what did you think of this one?
2: So we start off hot. So when after the pyro goes off, camera pans around, there's a, two guys holding old glory in the front row, just holding it. Just holding the American flag there. Just a mm. bit which is just a bit weird. They do it for a long time as well. Oh yeah, that's cool. Right. <laughs> We're ready. This is this is the great American person. Uh Michael Cole's got an evil mustache and a soul patch. <laughs> so it's this in a good night for him because he looks a bit weird with that, to be honest. Co- uh JBL is straight in being a cock. Yeah. He describes the APA as one of the greatest tag teams in history. <laughs> yep. <laughs> as a, okay, okay. But in terms of the match, so I'd never heard of the Pitbulls, never heard of them. When I saw that it was Jamie Noble and Kid Cash, I thought, yeah, cool, I'll have that. We've watched, uh, like, I was going to say Leiden. <laughs> we, we've, we, we've watched John Leiden <laughs> and uh, Paul London and Brian Kendrick before, and I enjoyed watching them. And I thought, so few real sloppy bits in this. They're, I haven't got them specifically down. But Kid Cash in particular is very, very sloppy at times. I think there's a head scissors. There's a thing with head scissors on this show where he goes for a head scissors, doesn't really work. But I think it's Paul London sells it like a champ. Anyway, it starts off quite sloppy as well, but I just thought it grow into a nice little tag match to be honest. It was quite nicely put together as well, because I think I was anticipating there being a lot of flips and shit like that and anticipating what was coming on the card i i would have been all right with it but i thought it was, it was quite physical What well, i always love jamie noble always liked him i think he's massively massively underrated i don't know what they did to get this gimmick to be honest i, I was speaking to tom away from the pod uh yesterday and he was expecting the ecw pitfalls ah
1: yes quite and, uh, a different proposition
2: yeah, and I was like, he's like, but it's not the like proper pitbulls. I was like, well, what are you not about? And then he told me about them, and I was like, oh, maybe there's like some kind of homage. I don't know because I think they were both in ECW at a time, but
1: certainly Keith Cash was, but um, yeah, I don't think they were because, well, the pitbulls were massive, both of them. It's like, um, Brian Adams yeah. and Brian Clark size kind of
2: going. Yeah, Oh, Brian Clark, a fucking boy, <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> anything, to, anything to bring up his name, old man.
2: Yeah, I thought this was. And I've said this the last couple of weeks that I've been on. Just a real good way to start the show. And I did write down that I was like, enjoyable and likely the best match of the night. And this is my match of the night. Because I just thought they did a cracking little job. And it's obvious the pitbulls aren't winning. They're called the fucking pitbulls. <laughs> they, they come down with chains around their neck. Sorry, no. It's like dog collars in effect. And then with a chain attached. It's all very strange. But I thought, especially after the sloppy start, I thought this was pretty good.
1: I thought this was all right. Yeah, I thought this was all right. But I was disappointed by it. I mm. thought it was gonna be better. I as I said to you in expectations, this is these are two teams that I was aware of at the time that probably I thought were more significant. That they were because I had seen them on television. So yeah. you just immediately think, well, if I've if I've watched for like ten minutes and this is what I've seen, then surely they've been they're on they're on screen a lot. I think London and Kendrick had a really long tag team title reign. Kid Cash was he's strange here. They're they're trying to position him as the kind of brawler or more of a brawler than than he ever was before, but. Kid Cash, to Mm. me, is a guy who just throws himself off off stuff and does crazy flips. So that was kind of strange. And I thought, when it it started, I thought these two teams complement each other really well because they've given Jamie Noble and Kid Cash that kind of persona of these kind of brawlers – I always liked with I'm the same as you I always liked Jamie Noble and I liked that he was in the cruiserweight division but he played the non-flying cruiserweight the kind mm. of brawling cruiserweight if you like the and wrestling uh, <laughs> uh cruiserweight, basically is what they did and so I thought that that compliments Paul London and Brian Kendrick well but it, I just didn't hit any height it just didn't really seem to get out of second gear it was very mm. kind of yeah, a little bit pedestrian. London and Kendrick playing the Rock and Roll Express, rockers, Hardy Boys, gimmick, you know, roll basically. And yeah, just didn't, just didn't quite go anywhere for me. And I was, I was, I was expecting a bit more. It's a Decent match, I think it's probably for me the second best match on the show. So I, I, di- I didn't dislike it at all, but just, uh, just a little bit disappointed. My notes reflect that because I've taken so few taking so few notes about this match usually if a match goes 13 minutes I've got nearly a whole page of it here I've got less than half a page it's just I I just couldn't find anything to pull out of it as as something that kind of really interested me so yeah disappointed this one well
2: I I think for me you've hit on a problem that runs through the show that we'll get into later on but where there's a It's not a lot. <laughs> it's not, I'm, not,
1: I'm, not now that we've covered JBL, the Punjabi prison and Rey Mysterio. <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't know. We, we have got a Fatal 4-Way Brian Panties match.
1: That's true. I'm Looking forward to that one. And uh, <laughs> you should too on the other side of this break. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second.
2: My guest tonight,
0: Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy. I love that, man. Mr. Kennedy, in just a few moments, you're going to go face-to-face with Batista. Now, I think it takes a lot of guts to challenge a man like the animal. You know what I think? I think that it takes a lot of guts for a man like Batista to even bother stepping foot in the ring with a man like Mr. Kennedy. Yeah, I did challenge Batista, do you know why? Because I can, because I will defeat Batista in the center of that ring tonight. Mark Henry, he may have not been able to beat Batista. But I can. I will. And when it's all said and done, when the match is over, when the dust has settled, that announcer will cry out to the heavens, the winner of the match, Mr. Kennedy.
1: Kennedy. Okay, welcome back. So we've got I think four matches to cover yet on this show. We've covered the big ones though. I think you'll find we'll yeah, cover yeah. the big ones. So, wow. um next up Teddy Long comes out. I did say we had four matches left to go, but actually I realize there's a couple of uh there's a couple of segments, shall Oof. we say, in, in this and this is one of them. Teddy Long comes out. And says he has some bad news. He says that uh, during his annual medical check, Lashley was found to have elevated liver enzymes. So I said they they did break it into the story somehow. But this is apparently entirely legitimate uh, and he won't be able to complete complete to compete. Lashley then comes out to the ring. He says he doesn't think there's anything wrong with him, and he says he's ready to fight and get his title back. The fans chant, let him fight, but Long says that he has to take a long term view of Lashley's personal health, and when he's ready, he will get a rematch for the title. Finlay and Regal then emerge from the back, giving Lashley a wide berth as Lashley goes to the back. Finlay then grabs the mic and initiates a special handshake with Teddy Long, which Teddy Long doesn't Really know what he's trying to do. He then questions the health of Lashley and says that he has a yellow streak down his back. He then tells Long to announce him as the winner by forfeit. However, Long tells Finley that despite Lashley's injury, Finley will defend the US title tonight, and it will be against his friend William Regal. And that match We'll start right now player so it is finley versus william regal but before i go into the match what did you make of all this uh stuff with lashley finley and regal <laughs> not much by the sounds of it
2: it's kind of a game of two ads so i thought it did a very good job of getting lashley over i thought because the crowd like you said the quota and they're not like lashley, uh, actually they're like proper into it and like it's like their little things like lashley's dressed to fight so he's like no i'm still fucking fighting and i quite like that bit i Quite enjoyed Finley and Teddy Long's interactions, but it goes on so bloody long. <laughs> and it's just like, just shave a couple of minutes off this and you've got a love it. And also it becomes patently obvious what's happening because he comes down with Regal. Now, admittedly, they're, uh, they're mates at this point. So it kind of does make sense. But it's so obvious what they're going to do. And then I was a bit like, oh, actually, this quite exhausting segment might actually lead to something really good.
1: I think that they either, because of these liver enzyme problems, they had to, I'm assuming they had to Cut something from the show because mm. they are wasting time all night. This mm-hmm. this this segment goes on forever. As we said already, the Undertaker's entrance lasts about ten years. Booker T's entrance lasts another fifteen of them. For now, yeah. he takes forever on his mm. on his entrance. There's another segment later on. There's all kinds of stuff, and I was just like, oh god, they really are like trying to draw out some some nonsense here, and this is just part of that. So we do have a U.S. title match. It's Finley versus William Regal. It's a match that goes again nearly 15, nearly fourteen minutes. And it ends when Hornswald gives Finley Regal's boot after stealing it from Regal from underneath the ring, and Finley hits Regal with it and takes the pin so uh, Finley retains the u s title. Oh man, what did you make of this?
2: I was bollock crushingly disappointed with this. Yeah, I thought this was. Going to be in the vein of Benoit Riegel. I thought they were just going to like to your point. This is obviously on the fly. They've come up with this, whether it's the day of or a few days before. They've they've said right. You talk it out. I thought they just go balls to the wall, and it is. Boring. Extraordinarily boring. And it's really... I know Old Horny Hornswoggle was a big part of Finlay. and he's got that great moment when JBL lobs the bin at him at WrestleMania 24. And I always... I didn't mind the Hornswoggle stuff, but it's not really got any place here, I don't think. Because it just... It means that they don't do what they're good at, these guys. They don't get the chance to just beat each other up. Now, JBL is... Ghastly, as we've said. He tries his best with this, I think. He tries to sell it as the fight that I think it should be. He goes a bit over the top, as he does with everything here. But I, like, the crowd start a boring chant mm-hmm. about seven or eight minutes in. And I, I said this the other week that I don't like that at all. But I was fucking with him. I was bored, shitless. And the finish. So, right. <laughs> you get kicked in the head with a boom, right? you're mostly all right and that's just your music you take that boot off and you haven't got a powerful leg behind it and you get hit in the head with it This floppy boot <laughs> and then he's pinned for a count of three and i was just like that just sums it up to be honest i did, oh, I oh I gutted. i was uh, i'll be honest <laughs> I, I was gutted because i thought i i thought this was going to be my match of the night and it's not by a long fucking way how about you <laughs> tinky
1: yeah, no, I'm totally the same. The, the boring chants come, and it's so on the money that Michael Cole genuinely acknowledges it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he Turns around and says, that, "Oh, the fans are calling this boring because they," and then he tries to make the excuses because they wanted Lashley or whatever, which is probably true. In fairness, that's probably why. They aren't particularly stoked by this, although Mm. it is also really boring. I I like the attempt to rehabilitate the image of JBL in terms of his commentary from you there, old man. (laughs) But for me, this was one of the fits where they were at their absolute worst. So first of all, JBL keeps going on about the fucking liver enzymes over and over <laughs> again. He won't stop going on about it, he won't stop questioning that Lashley's got them. At one point, he he says this in, in an attempt to continue to debunk the idea that Lashley has got elevated liver enzymes. He says, I drink more than Jake Roberts and I've never had elevated liver enzymes, which is quite bad taste given the problems Jake Roberts was going through, especially at this time. Yeah, he just goes on and on and on and on about it. And I've actually got a note here where I'm like the commentary mostly ignoring the match because Michael Cole yes. and JBL just arguing. They're just arguing mm-hmm. about whether Lashley should have even should have even wrestled or not, or could wrestle or not. It's just yeah, it's just boring. It's bad. The commentary is bad. It's just yeah, it's a real disappointment because as you said, theoretically. This should be a very little, tidy little match where they either beat the hell out of each other or and this could have been another way they took it. But they didn't. They could have just gone with a very straight wrestling match because they're supposed to be friends. Right. So they could have just gone, you know, I know we're both heels, but let's just show each other respect and have a proper wrestling match. Do some do a load of like escapology stuff and British wrestling type stuff. and, And that can be the story of the match that we're mates. We're just playing out this match and whoever wins wins. But they didn't do either of those things. They just had a pretty much standard WWE match. But yeah. in a foreign way. Like It
2: just was really poor. Well, it was a chance to have something different on mm. the show as well. And I think that's where I was so disappointed. I was like, so, and- this is a chance to get... Something that these, like we all, oh, me, you and Tom said about the Benoit Regal thing. I never dreamed I'd see that type of thing in a WWE ring. Mm. And I, I was expect, I was expecting it to be as violent as that, i got to be honest. But I was expecting something similar just because it was something. It's just an opportunity, isn't it? They get given fucking almost 14 minutes as well. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they could have done so many things with that. It's just real disappointing. Come back to uh, Lashley. So he gets to the arena, right? And they're like, all right. Hi, Bobby. He's like, yeah, how you doing? Yeah. You know that. <laughs> Never ends times so are up a bit, but apart from that, I'll be all right. At no point in the day does anyone go and say to us, oh, mate, you can't wrestle tonight. Like, no one no one does that. Could have avoided the old thing, couldn't they? They could have avoided Teddy Long having to come down, making it a bit awkward just all a bit silly isn't it i
1: wonder when they did these tests and i'm assuming again i'm assuming that these tests that have come back positive are because of some kind of maybe there's some kind of stomach bug going around or maybe Mm. as i said there's some food poisoning somewhere it seems odd for three of them because i've never even heard of it as a reason why wrestlers aren't wrestling matches so there must have been something specific that happened but it's um it's an interesting one
2: yeah well it's um it's something that can apparently lead to hepatitis Right so that's probably why they took them out of it because obviously that's why um as well cowboy bob was binned off wasn't it because he he had hepatitis and he didn't oh, tell okay. anyone. Oh. Yeah and like he bladed I think one match that Orton was in so it's naughty isn't it?
1: Well yeah, it is it is naughty. Um <laughs> I think Nigel McGuinness has got hepatitis. I'm not sure which one. But yes. And, I, and he contracted it in the ring, I believe, because of mm. blood that's been spilt in a match. So he was quite outspoken about, you know, blading in general um, after that, which he would be, I suppose. Yeah. So then backstage, we have that bit with Chavo and Ray, where Chavo tells Ray that he and his fans and Eddie fans are proud of him. Chavo tells him that he's living Eddie's dream and he's there to make sure dreams come true. So this is obviously them um... naughty. Yeah, just just, just po- pointing towards what's going to happen. The other thing I wanted to say about this Chavo and Ray thing as well is that there's two ways to look at it. I looked at it when we did the No Mercy show, I looked at it as them pushing Ray and Chavo into a feud was their way of getting over the hump with the Eddie Guerrero stuff, almost like yeah. if we put him in a feud with Chavo, then not only does it kind of, is Chavo now also drawing on that memory and trying to reclaim it in a kind of heelish way so we can get the heat off of Ray, but also it kind of means we can just take it in a different direction but also it feels like a real defining down for Rey mysterio to then be put in a few with chavo who is not in any way like he's not even an upper mid card guy he's a distinctly mid card if mm. if, if that by this point it feels like such a kind of as I said, defining down of ray mysterio it feels like anybody else <laughs> would have been yeah. a more prestigious next thing for ray mysterio to do after having won the world championship after all
2: it's just poor isn't it it's just just really poorly handled, and like you said right at the top, of the show should have just been avoided at all costs, really. Like because it must just be so strange for Chavo in particular to be using this as a heel trope. as well, it must just be so uncomfortable. It's like if they said uh, to me, uh, "Oh, we're going to use your nan's death in a wrestling angle." It's like you can go, you can go fuck off. That's what <laughs> you can do.
1: Yeah. 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 I think there's always that element though of Eddie would have been would have used mm. anything, you know what I mean? Eddie Eddie was old school in that respect and would have been happy to use whatever mm. whatever was required. I think the difference maybe from that old school view is that probably in say the 70s for example you wouldn't know if someone had died. You just wouldn't no. really know about they just disappear like wrestlers always did because they were all in territories and they would just go all over the country and you wouldn't see them after a while. You wouldn't know about it. And then if you did, you wouldn't know who was related to them unless yeah. they were actually on screen related to them. And very often that wasn't the case. You wouldn't often uh, make that a deal. So, yeah, it just feels like not something that would have happened very often in the past. And it only happened because people were so aware of the fact that you'd passed away. I don't, I don't know. You're right. I think they just best stay away from it. So the next match is Gregory Helms versus Matt Hardy. Now we've seen this match. This was also at No Mercy 2006 and this is not connected to that in any way because as I said this was originally slated to be Gregory Helms against super crazy for the cruiserweight title. Gregory Helms of course is still the cruiserweight champion but this is not for the title and uh, Michael Cole comments on the fact that Matt Hardy's put on some weight since,
2: yes. uh,
1: <laughs> since he was cruiserweight champion which is why he doesn't qualify for a shot at the cruiserweight title. The match goes for 11, nearly 12 minutes and and it ends when Gregory drops Hardy onto a turnbuckle, and then schoolboys him and pulls the tights to take the victory. What do you make of this one?
2: JPL. That's what <laughs> that's, I made of this that's one. What you
1: made of it. Fair enough.
2: He is incessant in this match. He's obsessed with the fact that Gregory Holmes and Matt Hardy are friends. They grow forty-five miles apart, don't you know? And <laughs> if you didn't know, he says it. I was counting at one point, and then I stopped because I, I better pay attention to the match. He said it four times. And I say, just fuck off.
1: I mean, I know, I know that America is a far bigger geographically country mm. than the UK. I imagine even in America, living 45 miles away from someone doesn't even yeah. give you the opportunity to be friends with someone. no.
2: And it's like, it's like, it's like next door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's checking out facts and stats and loads of other shit. At the start of the match, I'm like, I hope he settles down. And he doesn't. There's a swinging net breaker from the top room that looks very good. And JBL, he did pop me a bit there because he said that's straight out of my playbook. And I was like, see, this is what we want. This is what we want. We want the hill that's not self-aware. That's just an absolute moron, not an absolute cunt. Mm. A moron, not cunt.
1: That's a good distinction. In, it,
2: yeah, in life really. But I thought this was it was okay. I they didn't do apart from the swing and neck breaker, I don't think they really did anything in this match. And I think to your point earlier, it's reflected in my notes because I've got about seven lines. Same of of notes for it. And it I feel as well like they weren't trying to do anything. This is two guys who grew up forty five miles apart. <laughs> who can just have this match on command.
1: It's because they, and... they only live They grew up 45, <laughs> mi- 45 miles away from each other. <laughs> I mean, it's like they've got this, this, this twin connection
2: thing. They were so yeah. close. Well, it's basically twin magic, isn't it? <laughs> it's but... the two joints. <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, but these cigars, beautiful stuff. <laughs> That's the old polar bear's favourite thing ever, I think. Definitely. it just didn't really ever get going. Like I said, this is a match I think they could do probably with their eyes closed. The crowd love Matt Hardy. They always do. We've talked about this. Mm. Tommy mentioned this ages ago. They fucking love him. They're just about to like have a little start to the match. They're just about to tie up. That's the word that I'm looking for. They're just about to tie up at the start, and uh, they're just about to get physical with each other. And the crowd just start Hardy, Hardy, Hardy. and I'm like, they're even doing anything. They're like, this crowd might elevate it. The crowd, do do do, quiet down a bit. But for the last three, or three or four minutes, they're well into it. But. It's just a bit
1: of nothing. Mm, That's that's right. I think it is just a bit of nothing. And I felt that way Mm. about the first three matches in general. I watched this in two chunks, I think. And the first three matches is what I watched. And then I took a break and then watched the rest another time. Mm. And I came away from the first three matches thinking, what have I just watched? Can't (laughs) really remember anything about what I've just watched. It was all a bit nothingy for me. Everything was either disappointing or just, you know and I think it's weird because I think we said that Gregory Holmes versus Matt Hardy at No Mercy was actually a really decent match mm-hmm. this just wasn't it was just a bit nondescript obviously it wasn't due to happen they'd obviously thrown this together maybe maybe it was on the day maybe it was quite last minute but it did feel like they kind of were just not that interested going through the motions not really doing much in, in it and I just really a bit of nothing I've got very few notes and you've made mm-hmm. most, of the, most of the points I had so I'm, I'm not going to go into anything else yeah disappointing
2: come on lads you you can do something like Philia Regal. You can do something here. Yeah? Yeah. You can steal this show if you can be bothered. Make something you could do.
1: You could make something out of this that gets yeah. you noticed, gets you into something. Certainly, if I was Gregory Helms or William Regal at this point where I'm really not doing an awful lot, and I'm not that over. I would mm. be trying to do something to get kick something off, you know, mm. to kickstart something. But who knows?
2: Uh, Gregory Helms is the longest reigning cruiserweight champion in WWE history. That's true. Yeah, but, which, but, uh, J, which JBL tells us about 18 times. <laughs>
1: So, next up, backstage, Great Kali continues his anger. He stalks around, apparently looking for the Undertaker. As Kali and Davari continue to argue. Then, as Kali goes through a door, Undertaker attacks Davari. Then, Undertaker opens the door, only for Big Show to emerge, and the pair attack Undertaker in an ambush, as you uh, discussed earlier on, old man.
2: You're about to go into a Punjabi prison match with this guy. So, in our match, we've established, we've been through the match in the first part. If, you, if you're if just joining now, you have to go back and listen to it. Because uh, <laughs> we are but yeah. on the air. We are <laughs> yeah. on the
1: air, after all.
2: Yeah, this is live on BBC Radio. <laughs> hey, we're live, pal. But yeah, um, why? Why are you looking for him? He's angry, like, isn't he? He's angry. Yeah, but, and also, why is he so angry? <laughs> yeah, this, is where, sense. this is one of the things where,
1: this is one of the things where it would have made more sense if the Punjabi prison match was in the main event spot, because then you could be like, the great Kylie can't wait to get his hands on the undertaker. But it's mm. not. It's next. So yeah. you don't need to go find him. He's about to come out for a match with you,
2: weirdo. <sighs> yeah. I was just... poor. was just... Depressing.
1: The more I think about it, this whole card feels a little chucked together at the last minute. <laughs>
2: you know, like, it, it feels like
1: probably the Punjabi prison match was going to be the main event when it was the Undertaker versus the Great Khali mm. and they've had to put the big show in and gone we can't make that the main event there's no reason for them to have a Punjabi prison match between those two so we've got to put Rey Mysterio versus Booker T as the main event which ends obviously on a bum note because Chavo turns heel on him which is also not ideal you've had to put Gregory Helms and Matt Hardy together at the last minute Finlay and William Regal together at the last minute so there's a whole lot of shuffling around at the at, at the last minute here and this feels like the the afterthought we have, we have haven't really come up with a good reason why Great Kylie can't fight, mm. um, so we're just gonna have this happened. This wasn't well thought out. The video package for the match then shows so it's got it's got Carly beating up the Undertaker and showing his pinfall victory over the Undertaker at Judgment Day. We then also get some footage of some beating down of many previous opponents that Great Carly's done. Then we get some footage of Undertaker's mind games and the Big Show and Carly attacking Taker on SmackDown.
2: I actually thought that video was pretty decent. Oh, I'll be honest. It was better than the match by a distance. <laughs> Would have probably rather watched that than the match. But Said uh, to watch both.
1: Well, in fairness, the video package lasted about a minute. The, the, the
2: yeah. match lasted 21. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 21 minutes and 35 seconds.
1: To be precise. So then, backstage, Teddy Long confronts the great Kali, Davari, and Big Show, who just attacked The Undertaker. He tells them he's unhappy with the attack, and then he then says the Big Show will replace Kali in the Punjabi prison match. This is how they chose to go with mm. the replacement. There's then some nice camera shots of the Punjabi prison yeah. uh, before Michael Cole speaks to the crowd to. Explain the rules. As I said, it's strange. It, again, it feels like it's thrown together as if mm. they haven't thought about the rules until the day and then they've gone shit. So they've written something up from Michael Cole to read out rather mm. than allow Tony Chimmel to, to remember the rules and say it out loud. Again, it all just feels chucked together at the last minute.
2: Do you reckon they didn't trust Chimmel with them because of your thing? Why he makes you want to have a little nap?
1: That might be it. That might be it. They're yeah, worried they're, they're like, going to fall asleep.
2: Yeah, they like, if he's talking for more than 30 seconds, then just going to have a load of sleeping people.
1: I think that's. That's what it was, and also they were thinking if, if we want people to go to sleep, we'll just put The Undertaker versus Big Show in a Punjabi prison <laughs> match. <laughs>
2: Ooh, yeah. Have that.
1: <laughs> One thing I didn't mention after the Undertaker Big Show match, first of all, JBL immediately changes tack after going on oh, yeah. a rant about how the Undertaker's lost it. He immediately goes into licking backside <laughs> mode, um, licking bollocks mode. And then <laughs> <laughs> and then the Big Show apparently cries afterwards. Oh. He's on his knees, he's in despair, there's blood dripping down his face, and he, yeah, he's apparently crying at the conclusion of the match.
2: It's so over the top, isn't it? Yes. Like Well, the whole thing is, the whole thing, is just fucking absurd but yeah the visual at the end of the big show crouched down well he's on his knees and like you said and then in the background you can see Divari and the great kali on the punjabi prison the undertaker looks like he can't fucking wait to get out of there for the undertaker he sprints up well, that he, ramp
1: he goes he leaves the ring having won and and presumably could celebrate the victory mm. He leaves the ring about 15 times faster than they did entering it.
2: Yeah. It's almost like, I bet he just went backstage and he just went to Vince. He was like, You're a fucking disgrace. Don't make me do do that.
1: Don't do that to me again.
2: Yeah. He's like, It's all right. I won't. Great Carly next month. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the other thing is here, the, the Big Show's reaction to the aftermatch doesn't make sense either because as you said at the beginning, he's portraying real fear. But mm. he survived the match. Mm. So surely he should be relief,
2: if anything. Well, and also there's nothing on the match. If it had been for a title, I could have understood it. Mm. Like they, They've stacked the deck against The Undertaker. It was two. Him then Carly... And he still managed to get away from it. But yeah, the sight of a seven foot two, 500 pound man, well, 507 pound apparently, crying, it's not the way to make yourself look strong, is it?
1: No. (laughs) The next thing that happens is King Booker is backstage with Queen Sharmell. Sharmell says that Booker will eclipse them all. She names off some kings and queens from history and become king of the world when he beats Rey Mysterio. Booker then says king of the world repeatedly and kisses Sharmell.
2: Yeah, I fucking loved King Booker. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was absolute it was great because he was balls deep in it like elbow deep in it and i just thought it was it's just really good because it's really stupid but they're so serious with it that oh, i just loved it it's like heaven
1: well that's it it's classic ridiculousness it's classic mm. wrestling
2: ridiculousness
1: but played 100 with a straight face mm. knowing that it's funny as well like it's i don't know how to explain it it's, it's played humor in a humorous way but in a way that makes you think that they aren't doing a a funny thing played in such a way as these two people are entirely seem like they're taking it seriously, even though they're not. Yeah, I just re- we've discussed this before how how he just commits to it. He absolutely commits to the idea that he's this king.
2: Well, we we, we did talk about it. So how long it takes him to get down to the ring for the title match? He's like acknowledging the crowd. He just keeps saying thank you, thank you while they're booing him. And, you know, admittedly it goes on long enough that they stop booing him because they're like oh, tired, tired from <laughs> all the booing. Because the uh, his entrance, to your point, I need something like five minutes and twelve seconds.
1: It's fucking forever it takes.
2: It yeah, takes yeah.
1: It took so long. It's weird. I was. I was watching it last night, and what happens is that my wife takes the baby to bed, and I then just clear everything up and sort everything out. And I had the Great American Bash on, and it was the main event going into it. And Booker T came out, and he, he got to the ring, and I was like, shit, I need to do, I need to clean up the milk bottles so that I can, that they're ready, so I need to, you know, sterilize them whatnot. So I managed to wash them up and put them in the microwave in the way that they're supposed to be put in as well, so that they can Jeez. sterilize. And came back, and he still was going around the ring. I was like, That's how right. is this? happened he's just going forever and ever and ever Mm. talking about the time wasting so then they go back to Michael Cole and JBL at their ringside table position and they're reflecting on the Punjabi prison match a little bit more they don't say anything of interest but it's just a bit more time wasting Mm. before we get match number five which is a fatal four-way bra and panties match that was a match that I took specific care to ensure that my wife didn't see me watching whilst it was (laughs) on it's crystal against Michelle McCall against Gillian Hall against Ashley Massaro. It is five minutes long and it ends as they all end when Ashley strips off Crystal's top, having already stripped off her skirt. How do you analyse a match like this, old man?
2: Well, Michelle McCall does something in this match. She's wearing two skirts, Because my thing was, they're all walking down and they're all wearing like barely anything. Mm. I'm like, just wear loads of layers. Just be like Joey and friends when he put on all of Chandler's (laughs) boots. Like, just do that. It just doesn't make any sense. JBL is. To be honest, a sex pest in this match. He is Jerry Lawler at his worst, Mm. but off the chain. Like, I think it's because of the Euros as well. I think this doesn't feel like it. He's referring to them as sexy all the time, and I'm not really a big fan of that anyway. uh, Michael Cole dares to try and call some of (laughs) the action. And JBL is just berating him for Mm. calling it. And they just start shouting, they're hot, they're hot their heart and he's just shouting it yeah over and over again and i'm like right one this is appalling two those women are in there they can hear you Undoubtedly I was like You're a fucking Appalling human being And to be honest The match is even Fucking worse So
1: I, I'm gonna Give JBL an out A little bit on this one Simply because It's not like this is A wrestling match Between four women This is a brown Panties match mm. The setup is quite clear We know why mm. They're doing it So in that respect Don't be wrong He's a complete dickhead He's all the way Through obnoxious And he's as obnoxious As he is at any point During the show During this one mm. But I feel like It's less disrespectful Well it's not less disrespectful disrespectful but the whole thing is disrespectful the, the match itself yeah. is disrespectful so jbl playing into it doesn't really you know isn't really notable to me it feels like it mm.
2: fits the the occasion
1: the th- other thing though that i noted here so i remember when we watched armageddon 99 were you on that one uh
2: yes it was me you and steven was not it
1: that's right yeah. yeah and during that one they had the mud wrestling match or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah cap cat won the match. The crowd are going mental for that though. Mm. During this, the crowd couldn't give a fuck the crowd no. just are like, and I have to say, this is pathetic. This is genuinely mm. pathetic. Who is this for other than Vince and JBL and other men who want to leer at women who they work with, which is mm. just icky and not nice. And so it's almost worse. Now, don't get me wrong, it's, it's the same. But it's almost worse because there's none of their customers are interested in this. There's just complete silence. It's not of interest to anybody, seemingly. There's even a bit after the match where... Ashley convinces Gillian Hall to also strip off and the two of them both take off their extra clothes, go down mm. to their prime panties. No one gives a fuck about that either. It is so weird and as I said it, I just find it pathetic. Not mm. only that, but I was also genuinely worried. There's a bit where Michelle McCall slams someone early in the match and already I'm like, oh I, I don't want them to do any wrestling moves because I don't mm. re- I'm not really sure they know what they're doing, if I'm perfectly honest at this point. Michelle McCall would go on to have a decent career and have some good matches. I don't know about the other three quite frankly. Gillian Hall may be a couple but certainly the other two i'm not sure they ever really were proper wrestlers and i don't want them doing moves they they don't seem like they've been trained they don't seem safe doing the moves so i was kind of a little bit kind of cringing during that as well worried that someone was going to get hurt i just thought that whole thing was just absolutely pathetic and not good at all
2: no it's um i was going to save this for the uh roundup but i feel like this feels like the nadir of wwe this feels like the lowest point that I think we've watched Interesting. on this show because it's, the whole thing and I think like to give them a bit of an out like you are with you it is clearly cobbled together because of stuff that's happened And Mark Henry's meant to be in the next match but he sounds a fucking horrible sounding injury but there's an apathy to everything that's going on I think where I don't think anyone's committed the tag lads maybe i just take a big show work hard but I think they leave some stuff like that they could have done if they wanted to elevate it but it just feels really flat and really like I'll be honest if i was if i was watching this show and i was there i'd have been appalled <laughs> by what i was watching
1: well in terms of appalled the official song of this show is lonely train by blackstone cherry mm. um yeah appalled is the word i would say just bleh. just awful fucking generic shit american rock just uh
2: yeah the kind of stuff that i think even uh, my worst rock phase i would have gone like no 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 (laughs) no
1: no
2: no no, this is all a bit generic yeah can i can can i get some papa roach instead please
1: (laughs) yeah can i just take it up a notch
2: please yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i think papa roach are probably at least one notch above on (laughs) the on the on on the thousand notch scale
1: Then we get
2: The Miz. Yes. The Miz
1: doing a bit of a interview. Young Miz. Yeah, doing some interviewing. He interviews Mr. Kennedy backstage. Kennedy says it takes a lot of guts for Batista to, to step into the ring with him. That's all I got. That's what mm. I got from this. But interesting to
2: see The Miz. It was interesting to see The Miz and he's so fresh-faced.
1: He mm. looks like what would happen if Josh Matthews went to uh, My <laughs> Chemical Romance gig.
2: Oh, that's a fantastic show, guys. <laughs> that is excellent work. Yeah, I quite liked seeing The Miz. The fuck Kennedy, same shit.
1: Yeah, relatively I... early in his run as well. I, I I think. Yeah, although I can't remember really because it wasn't really my time. But feels like it's relatively early in his run, and yeah, just already like, though Yeah, just
2: yeah it's tired and I think he looks tired by it and also I don't know why um, like it's, it's interesting because I like the Adam Cole thing because I think that's an obnoxious heel doing that getting the crowd involved and kind of working the crowd Kennedy he's a heel he should have cut that shit he should have gone to do it and if the crowd did it like The Rock used to Yeah. when, when he was a heel he'd start to do his catchphrases the minute the crowd joined in he'd be like no no I'm not doing that
1: the thing is oh man if he cuts that what has he got <laughs>
2: Yeah. He's, just a, a, he's just a buying average rest in it yeah and to be honest I think that's probably pushing it as well
1: he doesn't even the thing is he doesn't even I think I've made this point before I'm pretty certain the last time we discussed Mr. Kennedy we made this point but Vince McMahon obviously had a hard on for him I don't know why Mm. because he's not particularly buff like he's not like he's really ripped or anything which is usually Vince's thing he's not really that charismatic he's not very good in the ring he doesn't have like a star quality about him he's not like he doesn't have like a pretty face or anything there's literally nothing about him that screams star or or, you know, main event talent or anything, and I just find it bizarre. Like, he's not like, look at comparing someone like Lex Luger, who I would say mm. has been kind of pushed probably as much as any wrestler in the history of the business in terms of being given a chance to be a main event guy. Mm. But you can see why people think he looks like a star, he's a like really ripped, muscular guy. You can see it. Mr. Kennedy, didn't even got that, like, he's got nothing. No,
2: it was very strange. It was a very strange time was mm. because like you said, like he was getting pushed hard and like he uh he felt a wellness policy. And he when did. you look like you said, when you look at him you're like really Why? Well, I think he fell twice, didn't he? Yes and then exactly. he dropped Randy Orton on his head. Which I oddly and I can't remember where I saw it. I saw that about a week ago. I don't know why it was on, but it's fucking horrible how he drops him. And then obviously the well the, the rumours are that Orton went to Vince and said he's fucking dangerous and then got Cena involved and they said yeah he is he is dangerous actually and then they binned him off but I'm amazed he was there, he was there four years by all accounts I'm astonished
1: I don't know what they saw in him I don't, I don't you know I, I could understand if he was just a you know relatively mid card guy that they used for yeah. a while but they really did seem to think he was something special and I don't I don't see it whatsoever he uh is just not yeah it's not very special and they yeah they really did give him a push and he was supposed to be so of course what happened in 2007 was the benoit tragedy mm-hmm. and lots of stuff got mixed in with that so kennedy had there was all the kind of media scrutiny of the company i think kennedy had done some interviews where he'd basically done a hogan and flout argued that there was no steroid abuse and he was he'd never done anything and then got fell foul of the wellness policy and was then pretty much done then anyway he we still got more of him to come so uh we'll we get have
2: brilliant, can't we? <laughs>
1: after this is some footage of the Saturday night's main event, which happened only about 10 days before this, where Mark Henry is wheeled out uh, to an ambulance and the injury that he's got will keep him out of action for 9-10 to 10 months explaining why Henry is not in the next match which he was scheduled to face Batista in um, and has been replaced by Kennedy My memory is, and it, it may have been speculation at the time, so it may not have been accurate, but my memory is that in 1996 when Mark Henry signed for WWE he signed a guaranteed 10-year deal with them, which was for about 350000 a year, which was a lot of money to be paid guaranteed by wwe back in those days if that's true then this is about the time when his contract would have been coming up now throughout most of that 10 years wwe had been attempting to embarrass him into resigning because they had they had no way of getting out of the contract and mark henry god bless him hung on to that contract for all he was worth and was like they can put me through whatever they want i'm gonna get that money i'm gonna get the supposedly 3.5 million that i've been guaranteed for that 10 years amazingly though at some point They re-signed it. (laughs) <laughs> I always yeah. found this really bizarre And in fairness When they did He had finally got it He'd finally figured out How he was going to work He'd kind of figured out How he could kind of portray Or give a persona That actually was effective And could add value to the WWE But for so much of that time They'd tried to embarrass him out of it And then by this point It obviously extended his contract Maybe just because he was injured And they thought Well we'll just chuck him Another couple of years I don't know
2: He's, he's doing Because so I heard an interview with him I think he does a Stone Cold interview interview on the network and he says that when he did his retirement promo Mm. the amazing one so pink suit yeah lovely salmon number made from salmon i heard well (laughs) he apparently is like a month or so before he was like i'm done he's out i'm beat up i want to go home i have some time with me family and that and he apparently went into vince's office basically be like, right, I'm done. He said he came out of and signed a new five-year contract. (laughs) It's unbelievable, isn't it? Because when he said that, I was like, they give you five years. Like, he's just a good man. That's how he managed to get that sweet job at AEW. Well,
1: I I think probably what they decided after some time was that he was relatively professional, had Hmm. become one of the older, more experienced guys on the roster. Forget whether he was any good or not at at a certain point. Like, if he was improving still, even by 2006. I find it retrospective Effectively amazing, because as I said, Mm -hmm. for long, long periods, they were trying to embarrass him into leaving because of this whacking great contract they didn't want to pay for. But then it got to a point, obviously, where they just thought his work was good enough that they were him more time and more money. So fair play to him. Anyway, he was injured here, which is why he couldn't appear in the match with Batista. That match is next. Mr. Kennedy and Batista, eight minutes and 38 seconds. Batista chokes Kennedy in the corner and won't break the hold when Charles Robinson tells him to. So Batista is disqualified. After the match Batista hits Kennedy With three spine busters And a Batista bomb So um, Yeah A DQ finish Mr Kennedy wins By DQ Old man
2: Mm -hmm. It's obviously There's something that happens Very early Tell you what right I was not looking forward to this But they start Well Batista in particular Because this is Apparently Batista's first Pay-per-view match For six months so he's right. very excited by that and uh, he just beats the piss into Mr. Kennedy for like a minute and I'm like oh you know what I get a with this. Kennedy getting beat up I like <laughs> it and then he goes to put his head into the steps outside and Kennedy just whacks his head gets a massive cut mm. and he's just pissing blood and I'm assuming that's why the match goes the way it goes because I'm guessing they must have called an audible and were like we can't he's pissing blood like we can't do this because it's eight and half minutes it's oh it's crap like it's so crap because batista is not very good in this
1: are, are you just dis- are you are you disparaging white pants
2: batista well it's very strange isn't it the white pants <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like friend of the show Johnny always likes to comment on how small they wear his pants, yeah. and I think because they're white, they look excessively small. He's not very good in this match, and Kennedy is just not very good. Kennedy is not helped by what is probably a concussion, I'd imagine as well. Apparently he had twenty stitches after, and they you could basically see his skull Ooh. through the wound. But I'll be honest, I thought the end was fucking horrendous for him. Then to give him the Batista bomb at the end doesn't make any sense unless they wanted Kennedy to go over which I I think we're going to put him over then they're fucking idiots anyway but it was just crap finish is crap no nah, no
1: no I didn't think this was crap I didn't think it was particularly good but I didn't think it was crap I didn't mind it and it was weird it was only retrospectively that I kind of questioned whether this was a hard way cut I didn't notice it at first yeah. I, I probably wasn't really fully paying attention because I was like well this is a bit throwaway, isn't it Batista versus Mr. Kennedy Kennedy, who gives a fuck about that. But then they did a replay of it and I thought well he must have, must have been Hardway because can, you can see that he's cut immediately and there's no <laughs> Blade involved and I just thought, oh that's a bit nasty and then they, I don't know, they did alright I didn't, I didn't hate it there was something about it, maybe just that it was I found it a weird combination of wrestlers to be yes. in a match and usually it would massively turn me off but this whole show was a bit strange and I I, I don't know, it wasn't wasn't great at all, it Was it was okay but I I didn't hate
2: it I think you're right I think that what you've summed it up perfectly in that I don't think from the outset I was like I don't put these two guys together in a match mm. mainly because I really dislike Mr Kennedy so I wouldn't have him anywhere near it but once I've, oh, I I'll watch it I'm also at this point so like you I did this in two sit-ins so I got up to Philly Regal, watched that, and then I did the rest of the card after. And at this point, I'd had enough, i got to be honest. <laughs> I'd had enough, and what I wanted was I wanted a main event that was going to be all right. But I didn't want Kennedy and Batista, so they could have probably had a five-star classic, and I'd have probably been like, no, no I don't want to fucking they- shoot
1: they they didn't have a five star classic. No. Were. Before the main event, there is still the chance to give us the hype video for the main events. There's footage of uh, Booker T winning the King of the Ring final versus mm. Lashley with the help of Finley. Then Booker winning a Battle Royal to become the number one contender to Ray's world title. Booker then attacking Ray Mysterio backstage on SmackDown, and Ray getting some revenge at Ringside. There is some terrible music, however,
2: to hype up. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you mentioned it. It just kicks in, doesn't it? just kicks in about halfway through because i thought this video package was cracking this video package is my mvp (laughs) whoever put it together because i thought it was really good as you said though the music is fucking horrendous (laughs) and i'll tell you what i realized as well at the end of the kennedy batista match. so just as batista's walking back there's 35 minutes left on this card, and it's two hours forty. This card, and I was like, how have I only watched two hours and five minutes in total?
1: Also, how have they then only had sixteen minute match in that thirty five minutes? Yeah, that just shows you how long Booker T's entrance is. Yeah, yeah. madness. Rey mysterios isn't quick either. Like he, no. he's not running to the ring. This is a pretty slow trip to the ring as well. Well that that covers everything. That covers everything on the show. So I guess all we've got left is to figure out what our overall thoughts are and our score out of ten. Old man.
2: I I didn't enjoy this, I've got to be honest. I think people have probably got that. I think so. I just thought this was as you said, it felt cobbled together and it's cobbled together really poorly as well. This is like a um I don't know, like I a super glued handle to a mug that you then fill with hot liquid and you realize that the super glue is just going to melt and you spill coffee all over your leg that's what I felt like this but it's just <laughs> Finley Regal it's just incredibly dull Helms and Hardy is just the motions going through you've got the four-way Brian Panties match which is to be honest as good as it could be Kennedy and Batista not for me and also not helped by the hard way cut the main event is okay it's okay and I enjoyed the tag match but the Punjabi prison match is so ghastly that I think it's going to take about three points off of the card I don't think I was going to score it very high in the anyway like i said i feel like this is a this is the real low point like they've got funaki and simon dean they were dark match Those were the two guys that they had to do the dark match. And when I saw that, I was like, well, maybe this is why the card is so poor. Well, it's not actually. When you read through the names, they're not poor names, but they just don't deliver at all. But it's obviously all they had as well with the injuries and the the enzymes. (laughs) Bloody enzymes. we, We would have watched a very different card if we'd have had super crazy Gregory Helms. Mark Well, Mark Henry's obviously different. If we'd have had Mark Henry and Batista, I would have been up for that because Western Superman is finest. And you would have had Lashley against Finlay, which again, I think would have probably been all right. But with the, with the stuff we get is just absolute turd largely. So could I give it a two, okay. this one? And yeah, I think that's fair.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I'm giving it a four. I like the main event more than you did though, which mm-hmm. I think is why I've, I've bumped up a bit. Overall, I think that they just had a spate of injuries and problems here. So obviously... As we said, Mark Henry's injured, he would have been facing Batista, Super Crazy would have been facing Gregory Helms, we'd have had the Undertaker versus the Great Carly, which probably would have brought it down, actually. So we probably should yeah. be thankful for that one. And I think, you know, because of all of that, and Lashley, of course, against Finley would have been another match. Mm. Because of all that, a lot of the a lot of the reasons for the matches existing were gone before the matches mm. even started. Then of course Kennedy gets busted open badly in the opening of their match, which probably changes the direction of that one too. They've probably, on top of all that, had to come up with a nonsense to get Great Carly out of the match they probably had to switch the main event round I think I think it's probably likely the Undertaker Great Carly would have been the main event why would you why would you create this massive structure and put yeah it, you know midway through the show I just don't think you would and so I just think it's, it's cobbled together It's all last thrown together at last minute and it shows but I do think the main event's decent I do think that there's some okay stuff underneath but there's a mm. lot of forgettable stuff and then there's some hideous stuff so there's the Brian Patney's match which is pretty damn hideous mm. and then there's the just the Pinjab prison match, which I dread to think what we might have got had this been the Undertaker of Great Carly, to be oh honest. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's really fucking boring most of the way through with these yeah. two, and I'm not sure how much of an upgrade the Big Show is on the Great Carly, but probably is a tiny bit of one. So, yeah, yeah I, d- I dread to think. So, yeah, four out, of four out of ten, probably quite kind, I would imagine. But also, you know, as I say, I tend to start with the main event, and even the main event could not drag this mm. up too much. So, yeah, four out of ten for me.
2: So, it's a bit of a fart, isn't it?
1: It is a bit of a wet fart yeah i don't know what else to say about it 2006 smackdown specific yeah. pay-per-view yeah not maybe not the best maybe not the best
2: i i find like and we've touched on this like you said about the time we said like they can barely fill two hours and 40 minutes Mm. There are two and a half minutes at the end of the show where Queen Charmao is just saying into the microphone, bow down to the king or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, they're obviously waiting to get to a time point that they must have to reach for pay per view or something. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's...
1: I assume that they've got like, but the contract is something like there's a minimum mm. amount of time that they have to yeah. fill, and it's probably two hours forty five minutes because we've seen, or two hours forty minutes because we've seen a lot of shows that go that long. Yeah, um, And I think that must be it. And yes, Sharmell is just saying it's just saying all hell, King Booker over I'll and over it. again at the end of the show. We've already had the really long Booker T entrance, the really long Undertaker entrance, the nonsense with Finlay and Lashley and Regal and Teddy Long, the nonsense with Great Carly backstage, the JBL and Michael Cole at ringside chatting about a match they've already shouted about for 20 minutes. <laughs> There's just a lot of time wasting as well.
2: I've noticed this only on a few shows that we watched. The crowd are leaving immediately. Mm. There's large swathes of the crowd that are just like, yeah, I'm fucking going. I'm out. I fucking sat through that Punjabi prison match. I've done my stint. I think also though that that is probably
1: another consequence of the low ending. Mm. I think if you have an ending where the heel wins or the bad or the good guy gets turned on or something negative takes place, the fans are more likely to leave whereas if you've got mm. a winning a victory for a babyface or the babyface coming out at the end on top even if they lose mm. the match, you can see the pose and the celebration at the end of the night which kind of gives you a reason to stick around, but if you haven't got that, you're not going to stick around. Are
2: no, no. Well, to be honest, you're not going to stick around when Charmelle's just going all hell King Booker. Because <laughs> I reckon she's still doing it now.
1: <laughs> Probably. Whilst JBL shouts, he's not the same man he used to be. <laughs> He's lost
2: us he's like the undertaker of six months ago Ah, 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 I'm a cunt Ah.
1: (laughs) right then old man thank you for joining me today on this uh, different episode for us today just the two of us
2: thank you very much for having me it would have been awkward wouldn't it if it had just been you turned up. And luckily, I think I managed to fill the gaps with enough bollocks that it should be half-listenable.
1: You filled my gaps with bollocks.
2: I did. It's <laughs> not so the first time. Anyway, we don't want people to think about that, do we? What do we want people to do, Tinky? Come on, in sync. We want them to rate. <laughs> rate. Revi- review. Review. And, and remember. And remember. Ken Patera. Ken Patera.
1: Oh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. I never know how long he's going to
2: leave it. And he just about no, got it. that's it. Yeah, lovely stuff. Well done, England.
1: This has been the Random Wrestling Review. We will be back again next week where SummerSlam season begins. Woo! But until then, take care. It's the
2: biggest party in the
1: summer, isn't it? Just the two of- Don't make no flowers grow. Good things might come to those who wait, but not for those who wait too late. We gotta go.